0: God who says we sing to the God who always makes the way, cause he hung upon that cross and he rose up from that Accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Be quiet. We shout out your praise and joy.
1: Nothing says joy like Blake's yellow shirt. Come on up, Blake. (laughs) Father
2: God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to come into the house of the Lord today to praise the risen Lord. We serve no dead God, for he is alive, and we are so thankful for that. And God, we want to proclaim the name of Jesus today. And God, I pray for anybody that's in this room today that does not have a relationship with you. May today be the day of salvation. May even right now, Father God, would you begin to work in their heart to be drawn to you and to come to you. And Father God, for us who are believers, may we today open our ears, open our eyes, Open our hearts to the word and may the words that are spoken and sung today penetrate our hearts and change us to be able to go into a lost and dying wor- world to tell others about you. God, thank you again for being alive that we can be here today in Jesus name. Amen. amen. You may be seated. <laughs> hey, today I just want to spend a, a couple of minutes, but since David made fun of my yellow shirt, it'll be Seven. And so, uh, uh, anyway, hey, we are launching a new ministry this summer called Love Thy Neighbor. And uh, you've seen some things around about Love Thy Neighbor, but I just wanted to spend just a couple of minutes with you to tell you about it. We are going to go into our community this summer, uh, June the 25th through the 29th, and uh, uh, hopefully minister to many people in our community. We have some work projects set up for some landscaping, we have a work project for uh, uh, painting a house. Uh, we have some uh, wheelchair deck repairs that need to take place. But also our big project this year is we're going to help paint uh, the hallways and the, the, the pods of North Elementary School. Uh, it is a, it's, it's one of the schools that have not, that's not been remodeled, and so we're going to help them and bless them and to uh, provide some labor to help get that done. So everybody is invited to come and be a part of that week of ministry. You do not have to be here every day, Monday through Thursday, but uh, you can work the days that you can work. All the information that you need is out there in the mission center to, uh, to be able to, uh, to sign up and be a part of that. And you sign up, you get one of these shirts. It's worth it. It is worth it. So the last thing about it is I'm excited about it as well because we're going to do two things on both sides of, of Love Thy Neighbor. And the first one is uh, going to be done on Sunday afternoon on the, on the 25th, and it's going to be at 4 o'clock. And Jeffrey's going to lead us in, I've called it, Sharing the Gospel. And uh, we are going to have a, just a one-hour seminar of how do you share the gospel with your neighbor? How do you share a gospel if you knock on a door and... What's that look like? What does it mean to share the gospel when you're looking at and sitting next to somebody in school? So even if you're not participating in Love Thy Neighbor, we, I would want to challenge you to be a part of that to be uh, Sunday night from 4 to 5 to just get a refresher course. We've not done that in a while here, but um, it is always a good reminder for us to share the gospel. Then Wednesday night, again, if you're not being part of, of Love Thy Neighbor because of work, come Wednesday night. And we are going to canvass our neighborhoods to uh, invite them to come to Vacation Bible School. And again, you don't have to be a part of that neighbor to do that. We need to flood the city with, with an invitation to come and let their, let their children come and be a part of Vacation Bible School. So there's lots of things to be a part of. All the information, again, is out there in the foyer under the mission center. I'll be out there after the service if you have any questions. And God is going to, going to just do a, a big work. That week while we're doing that. So thank you. It's all yours, David.
3: <laughs> I believe
0: in the Son.
1: Sort of a theme song of sorts for the, uh, the, the, the armor of God. Now we think about the armor of God, we've gone through the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the sword, the helmet, but this battle song is not about those. You'll see it in the chorus. Let's sing it together. <laughs>
0: is the battle, you see the victory, when all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain move. and as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. there's nothing to fear now for i have stayed
1: with you here it is
0: so when i fight i fight on my knees with my hands lifted high oh god the battle shine in the shadows you and everybody
1: God, we come before you and recognizing that yours, uh, it is your battle. And Lord, as we come uh, now in this time of offering, this time of giving, uh, we recognize that you have it all already anyway. Uh, As the song says, you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you own the hills. And uh, but Lord, yet what you blessed us with, you've you've commanded us to be obedient to you and to uh, really it's our way of showing that we trust you by giving back to you. And so, Lord, help us to trust you today and be obedient to you and just give joyfully, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, I hope you enjoy the next couple of songs. Uh, It's about every hymn you could think of that has the theme prayer in it. All right? And so take this trip down memory lane as we sing these great hymns of prayer.
3: You know where to turn, don't you? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. So, I will not stop the continual uh, reminders of old hymns. So those are on prayer, of course. Let me give you one that weds together prayer and the peace, he says, plural, of the armor I grew up as a kid in the 70s, telling my age. I was born in 1970. And in my childhood, I remember the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Remember the first line, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross. I think we've forgotten that motif in our world. The second verse, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Remember? Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Here it is. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. We can't be wanting there. When duty calls... Or danger. We can't be wanting there. Listen to the text. Let's pick up in verse 10 for those of you who may not have been here throughout the series. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the panoply of God. We're going to have a hymn at the end and soldiers arise. And it's going to use the word panoply. Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand... the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God today, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly. To proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here is Paul concluding the armor of God in warfare with prayer. At this point, I think it's important that we recall, recall the historical context. What do we know about... These Gentile believers. Well, they were saved predominantly out of occultic backgrounds. They lived in fear of those principalities and all those powers all the days of their lives. So they needed to know that true strength and power is found in the Lord God only. And Him alone. And so there's this reminder. Is there a context for prayer in the book of Ephesians? Well, yes. Yes. There is a huge focus upon prayer. For instance, there are 430 verses found in the book of Romans. And out of the 430, 56 deal with prayer. On the other hand, there are 155 verses in the book of Ephesians. And out of those 155, 31 deal with prayer. So Paul's focus is upon prayer in this great epistle. And he ties prayer together with that vital principle of warfare. So, not only is it central, prayer central to the content of Ephesians, but it's also central to the warfare as well. As Paul wraps up the six pieces of the armor, he concludes with the necessity of prayer. Clinton Arnold says prayer is the essence of spiritual warfare and the most important means by which believers are strengthened by God. Now, as you read this, check it out. It says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. The ESV helps us understand that this is actually a participial phrase. Which falls in conjunction with the other six. Remember the statements? Putting on, putting on, taking up. They're participial phrases. Some translations will give you the appearance that it's an imperative command. But it's not. It is a participial phrase. And it's connected back with a finite verb. Does anybody know which one it is for grammar lesson? Stand firm, therefore. So, that's important for us to note in the connection here. Stand, therefore. Furthermore, where does stand, therefore, in verse 14 connect? Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. In the divine gift of the inspiration of Holy Scripture and Paul writing it, what he forms for you is an inclusio. Okay, There's brackets. Verse 10 is the strength of the Lord. Verse 18 is where you get your strength from the Lord, and that's through prayer. You see it? This is vitally important in the connection of the Word of God and how you study and interpret the Scripture. It forms a bracket on this end of 6, 10 through 11. It's it's a call for you to depend upon the power of God if you're going to fight and stand in this warfare. And then there's just strong bracketing on the other end of it to remind us that it's all held together by prayer. So, prayer is the means by which we depend on the Lord. That's the way that you request His empowerment for your life and for the body of Christ. What is the connection then between prayer and spiritual warfare? Let's take everything out between and here's what you've got Stand firm therefore through all prayer and petition praying at all times That's how the grammar reads Stand therefore through all prayer and petition petition praying at all times So again prayer is critical in fighting the good fight which is not against flesh and blood It's against principalities it's against powers There's also a connection with the armor of God. It should not be seen as a seventh weapon. Paul is presenting prayer as foundational for the deployment of all the weapons for our warfare. Andrew Lincoln says, Prayer for strengthening from God can be seen as a major way in which believers appropriate the divine armor and are able to actually stand. Please recall that Paul has already given us two massive prayers in the book of Ephesians. Do you know where they are? Let me just show you a little bit of it. If you don't remember, chapter 1, verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope To which He has called you. I could go on in that one. But look at chapter 3. Here's another massive prayer about the power of God. For this reason. Verse 14 chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of His glory. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner being. It's not my goal to preach those prayers again. But it is my goal to tell you that Paul is asking us to pray and he's praying for us for an expanded awareness of God's power that's available to us and to know who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it goes without saying that you can only appropriate this spiritual armor through prayer. Why? There is no physical armor for you to go and put on. That shield of faith is not a real shield on the ground that you can pick up and hold up, right? The only way you can appropriate the six pieces is through prayer. So it is prayer that imparts effectiveness to the armor. It is prayer that aligns us with God's strength and begins to appropriate God's strength in enabling us to stand. Without prayer, folks, we can't be engaged in this warfare. Without prayer, we cannot utilize the armor that has been provided for us. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. In his strength alone. Right? Putting each piece of the armor on with prayer. Clinton Arnold captures this reality well in saying this. Prayer is communication with the commander-in-chief during battle. Our awareness of the battle heightens our sense of need... Don't you feel this, living the Christian life? When you're engaged in the, in the battle, it heightens our sense of need to stay in constant touch with our superior officer who can resupply us and who can provide us with our orders. So in verses 18 through 20, Paul is going to give us these vital elements, these vital necessities of what we might call warfare praying. So the title, Stand Firm. In the, with the full armor of God, semicolon, prayer, uh, warfare, prayer. That's what this really is: warfare, prayer. All right. I didn't put, the, I didn't supply all these notes for you. What you have is perhaps by prayer, by praying together with a list of things: consistency, perseverance. I won't touch on all that today. Okay. You know how it is when you start studying, or I think you do. I think, or I thought. I could do one sermon on prayer, but I quickly found out I could not. And I also believe that we need more than one sermon on prayer. So this week, I want to do my best to move down to just before it says praying for the saints. And I hope that God will speak to your heart through this warfare prayer. First, warfare prayer is varied and intense prayer. That's not supplied for you. So you should be... A little bit of ink is better than the best memory. Right? Write it down. A warfare prayer is varied and intense prayer. You say, Preacher, what do you get this from? Well, notice how he says it. It is through all prayer and petition. If he only meant to pray, he would just... If he, it was meaning one category, he would just say petition. Or he would say prayer. But what Paul is doing, as is the case with him often, he's piling up words to help you understand that prayer is to be varied. It doesn't all fit in one category. And he piles it up so that you will know that prayer should have some intensity to it. Okay, So prayer is the broad category here that encompasses all kinds. As we commune with our God, petition is the narrower category. So again, Paul is piling up these words to intensify this. So I think the reminder as Paul concludes on the issue of spiritual warfare is I think he wants us to understand that we cannot reduce our prayer life down to simple requests. This is important in in fighting the battle. Martin Bucer, you don't know him probably. He was a reformer. He was a German Protestant reformer, and he was born in 1491. I love reading these guys. Here's what he said Prayer is not just a pious wish, but a deep conversation of the mind with God and a serious assessment of those things that glorify God and that are lacking in us, which we earnestly pray that He will fill us with. How often is your prayer like that? It's an assessment. God, help me live in such a way that I actually glorify you with my life. So we are to engage our God with prayer, broadly speaking, and petition, narrowly speaking. Our prayer life can quickly degenerate into a grocery list of requests that we rattle off and then we think we've done our prayer during the day. To rattle through a grocery list of items, ladies and gentlemen, is not praying as we should. It's not Real prayer is filled not only with petitions, but according to the Bible, real prayer is filled with praise. It's filled with thanksgiving. It is filled, yes, with petitions, but also adoration. It's filled with confession. I hope you find yourself confessing your sin as you pray. It is filled with worship. Do you know that prayer oftentimes is just straight up silence? Silence before the Lord. Real communion with God sometimes does not include words that you even utter. We're going to see this in a few moments. Prayer includes supplication and intercessions and requests. But Paul is reminding us in this warfare, as we are engaging our enemy, and as we go to the throne of grace in our prayer life, that prayer life is going to be varied in our time before the Lord. Take your own children into consideration at this point. Imagine if all you ever heard was, Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? But that's what we often reduce our praying to before the Lord. Paul will not allow that kind of praying. That's why he piles up the phrases. Through prayer and petition, always praying. Can I give you a little help? I said, Lord, what what can I say to our people here at FBCO to help you in this practice of understanding the varied nature of prayer? Well, why don't we just open up our Bibles and go through each piece of armor and give thanks to God that each piece is a gift from God. Could we start with that? Just go through and say, Lord God, you wore, Lord Jesus, you wore this particular armor according to Isaiah. And you've given us the breastplate, truth, righteousness, faith. You've given us these things and we thank you for it. Open up the Bible and go through each piece of the armor. Give thanks to God that each piece is a gift from God. Praise Him for giving it to you. Think through all the blessings. Think through all the protections that God has bestowed on us through this armor. All right? Go through a second time and use it as a time of confession. Has anybody other than me, during this series, been awakened to certain pieces of this armor that we failed to appropriate as we should, as we've studied? Is anybody awake today? Talk to me. Amen? Have you been awakened to certain principles that you failed to do as a child of God as we've gone down through the armor? Would a prayer of confession contain an admission that maybe we didn't understand fully the breastplate of righteousness? Or maybe we didn't understand the helmet of salvation. God help me, we should pray, because I'm weak in my understanding. Lord, I have a tendency to walk by sight and not hold on to the shield of faith. Anybody guilty of that one? Yes, I think we are. Father, forgive me and help me to hold up the shield of faith. Work your way through the armor, giving thanks, praising God, confessing. Here's another one. Then ask God to teach you how to apply each piece of the armor effectively. Why? Because this battle is real. You have a real devil who wants to destroy your soul. If you want to experience for yourself what varied prayer is, I challenge you to pick up a copy of The Valley of Vision and read some of the grand old prayers that are recorded for us from our forefathers in the faith you'll find out quickly that prayer was not reduced to merely petition there was adoration there's praise there's worship there's confession i'd also remind you that the combination of those two words prayer or are given praying through prayer i would remind you not only do do we deal with varied prayer but also the intensity of praying think about this through all prayer and petition praying that's how the grammar reads through all prayer and petition praying so as Paul calls us to pray I hope you feel the intensity that's there warfare prayer can never be sleepy it can't be rambling prayer we can't be lackadaisical in our approach to our father fighting in this particular spiritual battle when we are engaged in battle, folks, there is intensity. And this brings an urgency, and intensity to our praying and to our petitions that we give. So God, help us to pray varied prayers with intensity and with urgency. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't struggle much in Bible reading. And I don't struggle a whole lot in meditating and memorizing the Word of God. But I do struggle with the discipline of prayer. So... I enjoy preaching on prayer. Why? Because it helps my own feeble soul. How many of you struggle with the discipline of prayer? Yes, you're raising hands quick because it's the truth. We all know this. And for the rest of you who did not raise your hand, you need to hear a sermon on lying, right? (laughs) Do Do you find it hard to engage your heart and your mind with a sense of intensity, sticking to the task and working with urgency like we should? So as we read this, Praying with petition, with all praying. We should be smitten in our hearts with a sense of conviction that there is a call to intensity of prayer that we seldom understand and sense in our lives. But feel feel the weight of this. There's an urgency. There's a gravity with intensity. Why? Because this is a critical fight, ladies and gentlemen. And if you are saved, you are in this battle. Now, you can't be on the sideline because you've placed yourself there and you're totally unaware of the enemy's tactics. But if you're engaged, let's say it this way, if you're trying to wear your faith on your sleeve as you should, then you will find yourself under severe attack from the enemy. Martin Luther is quoted to have said this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I have so much to do shows the workload That Martin Luther had to grapple with in the 1500's. Yet, for Luther, prayer was not a perfunctory business. It was also serious work. Okay, y'all got that one? Warfare prayer, varied and intense. That's what Paul is teaching us. Second, warfare prayer must be consistent and continual. Consistent. The ESV says all times. Do you hear it from the word of God to that end keep alert with all pers- praying at all times. You see it up there in verse 18 praying at all times. It can literally be translated every time. This leads some translations and you may have a copy of that one that says this in all occasions or every season. Is some translations. So, prayer should be consistent and continual. And is, it, is that not demonstrated all over the Bible? Did Jesus not demonstrate this for us? Listen, you don't have to turn, but just listen to how he starts. The, per, the parable of the persistent widow. Listen. And he told them a parable to, effect, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Anybody ever there? He, he says to them, and, in, and then he gives them the parable of the persistent widow. Widow, how about Philippians four? Just turn right a few pages from Ephesians, you'll land in uh, Philippians four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. Do you see the continual nature, the consistent nature of praying? How about First Thessalonians five seventeen? Y'all want to learn to memorize one verse? Are you ready? Are you sure? 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Everybody in here can leave knowing that. Pray without ceasing. You young people are saying, I got one verse down. Instead of Jesus wept, what is that? John 11.35, something like that. You can say, I know two verses. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Does that help us with continual, consistent praying, right? Because we ought to pray without ceasing. We can't help but see that prayer is to be consistent and continual. Now, what does that mean for us? When we look at the text of Scripture and it says praying at all times, how how do we concentrate? I'm trying to give you application as we go through this and to think on this. What is Paul suggesting to us? Is it incessant 24-hour-a-day praying? Well, did Paul do other things? Yes, he did. So, we're not talking about 24 hours a day incessantly praying without doing anything else. Because Paul did other things. However, let's not undermine what Paul is emphasizing. Our praying should be constant, regular, repeated, often and consistent. So I think, listen, are y'all listening? I think for us to say that I've got this twenty-minute block of time that I use in the morning, lunchtime, or night, and some of us say, "Well, Daniel played three to- prayed three times a day. Did okay for him." Well, I don't think Paul is telling us that. I think that's a given. In other words, that you spend. 10, 15, 20 minutes a day at a set time praying really for all of us should be a given. Now, maybe that's a conviction upon your life, even saying that. But I think Paul means more than us being able to say, I said my prayers today. So here's what I think praying should look like when it's at all times. I think it begins with a pervasive sense of your need and dependency upon God. Please hear me at this point. Because I think this is missing. I'm 52 years old. I'm not as young as I used to be. I started pastoring churches full time when I was 27 years old. I've been in the ministry since I was 18 years old. And I've never seen more Christians that are duller than today. That seem not to have any intensity whatsoever to the God that they belong to. Or this need for dependence upon Him. We act like He doesn't exist. We act like closet atheists. And yet, how many times are we told in the Word of God that the Lord Jesus must be the supreme person over all of life? And let me tell you, self-sufficiency is a prayer killer. If you're sufficient in yourself, you're not going to pray. A person who is independent in his or her own heart and mind will be a person that spends very little time because you don't ever sense your dependency upon God. You don't sense your need. Why? Because you depend on self. Can I remind you this morning of your deep need for the supremacy of Christ over all of life? Not just coming to church one hour a week. Every minute of every day should be lived under the realm of the fact that Christ has first place in your life. He has first, supreme, He has the preeminence in every area. We sang it, I need the every hour, most gracious, precious Lord. Please be aware of your own weakness at this point. Do I have to remind you what you are surrounded by? The world, the flesh, and the devil. Our own incredible weakness at this point should drive every one of us to depend upon the Lord. Strong people don't pray. If you think that you've got it all together, if you think you have enough spiritual muscle on your own, if you think that you have enough education on your own, if you think you are spiritually mature enough, you think I've got spiritual strength enough to do this on my own. If you think all of those enoughs are enough to do and live the Christian life, then you've forgotten your dependency upon the God that you belong to. I want to remind you of something. There's enough sin in every single one of you in this room to sink the entire world into hell. And you know it, and you don't have to tell me because I know it. I know it in every one of you. And you know it's true, don't you? I'm going to preach this over. I'm going to start over at the beginning if you don't respond to me. (laughs) We know this if it were not for the grace and justice of God that's been met upon in your place in Christ Jesus. There's enough sin in you. Left. Remaining sin that we have to battle against. And maybe I'm the only one that feels this way. But I know what the Bible says about you. And I also know what it says about me. The heart is deceitful. Above all things. And desperately wicked. And so folks. I'm, I'm begging you. To remember your sense of weakness. I'm telling you in praying. You've got to depend upon the Lord you've got to be mindful of the fact that you're full of weaknesses and there is a peculiarity of the awareness of the danger that is around us more so today than why because today's the day you're living and it's rough I get it we need to be aware of the world the flesh and the devil may the Lord increase in all of us an awareness of the danger that resides in our own hearts in each of us again We've got sin that goes unchecked. We've got propensities that the enemy knows about. And we've preached that, right? His schemes. So when you come to realize this reality, then you will pray. Do I need to remind you that there's a roaring lion? And he's going about. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking who he may devour. So increase your awareness that this battle is not against flesh and blood. You're in a real war with a real enemy, and his design is to destroy your soul. And when you realize this, you will depend on God and you will pray. And I've got news for you God's got a way in order to manipulate the system in your life so that you will start praying. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every one of them. And if you do not receive the chastisement of the Lord, Hebrews 12, then you're a bastard. You're an illegitimate child. You don't belong to Him if you don't get whipped, if you don't get scourged when you sin. If there's not chastisement, you don't belong to the Lord. I'm so thankful for the Father that He disciplines His children, right? He disciplines us, and He does this for a purpose. He does it to help us depend upon Him. The world is hostile, and it has an architect. He's the prince of the power of the air. It's the, it's the devil himself. And you're bombarded on every side today. He's crafty. His design is to appeal to the flesh that remains in you. So left to ourselves, we are walking flesh time bombs in this particular world that is seeking to appeal to your carnal base senses. Young people, listen to me. This is what's going on, and it's a reality. And you're in it every single day, okay? Okay? That's the first thing. And I didn't really know how to phrase the next thing about it. Dependency upon God, right? Praying at all times. So I just made it this way. We also need to have a spiritual mean streak. How you like that? That's crafty wording, alliterated. Whole nine yards. No, it's not. Here's what you need to here's the spiritual mean streak. I'm at war. I hate sin. I hate the devil, right? I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm actually going to fight. I'm going to be determined. I'm going to be stubborn. I refuse to let my life be a pawn of the devil. And with God's help, I will not be a slave to my flesh. We need this kind of mean streak that keeps us on our knees nagging the Lord God, continually knocking Continually asking, continually seeking day by day. day. Listen, make your default mental state a God-word longing of your need for Him. That's what we have to do. Throughout the day, how our minds and hearts should be directed every single time. With whatever new task we undertake, we need to fill our dependency and our need for God. Here's what... John Piper says in his book called, When I Don't Desire God. You should get a copy of that and read it. One book is called Desiring God. This one's called, When I Don't Desire God. He says this, With every new temptation, how we should look to God. With every sense of dryness and barrenness, how we should look to God to rekindle our desires. If we begin to understand who He is and what He offers us in His Son and who we are, and what we are, and how weak we are, we will be people who continually say throughout the day, Lord Jesus, help me. Enslave my heart to love you right now. Help me to obey your word. And Piper says, do more than help me. Make me do your word. Make me love you as I ought. If you think you can fight this war on your own, and pray one time a day, I'm telling you folks, you can't do it. I'm telling you, you can't do it. Jonathan Edwards said, The spirit of the true convert is the spirit of faith and reliance upon the power and wisdom and mercy of God. Such a spirit is naturally expressed in prayer. He says, True prayer is the faith and reliance of the soul breathed forth into words. Well, that's rich, isn't it? If we are to engage in warfare, folks, your prayers must be varied And intense, and your prayers must be consistent and continual. Can y'all take one more? All right, here it is. Warfare praying must be in the spirit. It must be in the spirit. Do you see the text? The Bible says, praying at all times in the spirit. Now, I do not believe for one second of one millisecond that this has anything to do with speaking in tongues. So the nitwits that try to tell you that have not read their Bibles. Okay? There's nothing in the immediate context to support such an erroneous claim. Find that in there, anywhere. Second, there's also nothing in Paul's larger theological perspective on the teaching of the Spirit that would lead us and compel us to believe that this has anything to do whatsoever with praying in tongues. Thirdly, this is a call for every Christian to be engaged in prayer. And nowhere in the Word of God are we expected to speak in tongues, meaning everybody. Because the Greek demands a negative. In 1 Corinthians, do all all teach. Métis is in the Greek. That means no. Do all speak in tongues? Métis. If it was uti, it would be true. Yes, it's not. Do all speak in tongues? Métis. No. Why? Because if you had all the gifts, then you'd be a church by yourself. You wouldn't need me or no one else in here. So... I'm glad I got that out. Here we are. What does Paul mean? What does Paul mean? Well, there's this prepositional phrase. Prepositions move the world. It says, in the spirit. So we could actually say that maybe it means the sphere in which we are praying. Right? We're praying in the spirit. It can be the instrumentality. The spirit, right? He's the agent when we're praying. Or it can mean... We pray with the Spirit, that is in terms of association with the Spirit. There's an interesting verse found in Jude. The kids had to give the books of the Bible to me over here at the gazebo for two and a half hours. right? And uh, somebody once forgot Jude and I had to stop them and say, whoa, wait a minute. It was a good refresher for me because I had to sit and re-memorize all of them before they came. Right? But here's Jude, this one little book. Look what verse 20 says. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So I believe that to pray in the Spirit is to pray with the Spirit's help, with the Spirit's motivation, with the Spirit's empowerment, with the Spirit's direction. Okay? To pray in the Spirit is to pray in a dependent way upon the Spirit and His power. Here's what I know. We can pray spiritless prayers. Can't we? We can. We can pray in the flesh. We can pray in our own strength. So at bare minimum, this means that we should learn to pray in a way of total dependency upon the Holy Spirit as we pray. Now, awesome text of Scripture that I can't, cannot let you leave without seeing. Chapter 8 of the book of Romans. I want your eyes to see these verses if you can. Romans chapter 8. The pickup is in verse 26. Romans 8:26, likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Translation into Greek, they're unutterable words. They're not spoken words from us. Unutterable. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And boy, this is a mouthful. According to the will of God. And then it runs contextually to, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Notice when the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And what does the Spirit do in our weakness? And when we don't know how to express with words what we need to say, the Spirit of God comes to us and helps us. Here's a better word. He interposes Himself. He undergirds us. He intercedes for us with unutterable groans. So the Spirit groans words never verbalized except to God. God knows this. And the Spirit is communicating the deepest recesses of our hearts so that our prayers turn out to God to be in the will of God. Do you know that means you've got two advocates? Jesus in John 14 Verse 16 says, I will not leave you orphan-less, but I will give you a comforter. And that word is paraclete. I'll give you another just like me to walk alongside of you. And so, think of this. You've got the Lord of glory, the King, seated at the right hand of the Father, who never ceases to intercede for you. And then inside of you. You've got the paraclete, the Holy Spirit of God, who's also interceding for you on behalf of words you can never say that end up being in concert with the will of God. Hallelujah. You have Jesus who's seated at the right hand of the Father, the intercessory work of the Spirit. So my assumption is that in all praying, when it's jumbled up and inarticulate and you're confused, the Spirit of God can take that and intercede for us to God in a way that straightens out our prayers before the throne of grace. The Spirit of God interposes for us. He searches our hearts. God searches our hearts with unutterable longings to conform us to the will of God. The Holy Spirit takes these groanings, presents them before the Father. The Holy Spirit translates these groanings, conforms them to the will of God. And i got to give you one more. What does this lead to in praying? Chapter 8, verse 15. I'm in fast forward motion. You've got to listen fast. Chapter 8 verse 15. For you, do not receive, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba, Father. Can I tell you something? Not only does the Holy Spirit of God correct your prayers, undergird you and send it to the Father. But the basis of your confidence before God is that you belong there. Let that resonate in your heart. You belong there. Why? Because you're a child of God. Read on down. Listen. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And listen. When you pray in the Spirit, you know from God that you belong there. You are His child. It gives you confidence before the Lord and no fear. So, do you think there's also a connection with the sword of the Spirit? Do y'all see why I could not? I thought about five sermons on prayer, right? So what what are you to take up? The sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? It is the word of God. Is there a connection with the Spirit, sword, and praying, praying in the Spirit? You better believe it. I don't think anything pleases the Father more than you praying back his word to him. Right? That's the kind of praying that we need. How about praying his own words back to him? I think that praying in the Spirit means all of those things. The confidence. It is the help of the Spirit. It is the direction of the Spirit. It is confidence that the Spirit of God is interceding for you on behalf of words you can't even utter. How many times have you gone to the Lord when the walls are crumbling in in your life and you're just like, Lord, I don't know what to say. Boy, we can have confidence that you belong at the throne and the Holy Spirit knows exactly what needs to be done. He alone knows the mind of the Father. He knows what needs to take place. All right. Uh, There's another song, and I'm going to give you that song. David's actually going to lead it, and we're going to sing it as a congregation before we actually pray. And David said it's uh, crown crown him with many crowns is the actual, what do you call that? Tune, all right? But the words are going to be soldiers arise. But listen, as people move this way, let me give you one more Scottish reformer and what he had to say about prayer. David Dixon. Look these guys up. Martin Busser was the first one. This is David Dixon. He was a Scottish theologian in the Reformation. Here's what he says. Prayer is when a Christian soldier takes himself to his general, Christ, To beg his assistance, not once only, but at any time when necessity urges. Listen, not coldly and with his lips only, but with a servant spirit. Not faintly, as if he feared not the enemy, but watching and attending to his duty with greatness and earnestness. Not only for himself, and we'll start this next week, but for the whole church. Not only for yourself but the whole church or for God's whole army and for every one of the saints so far as he shall be acquainted with their necessities. All right, let's sing together. Brother David the word should be up. Everybody stand and let's sing
1: it. Soldiers of Christ Arise Soldiers of Christ Arise and for
3: Soldiers arise. That's good stuff. I hope that you thought about those words. So, in an invitation time, Brother David's is going to lead us. Maybe you need to know Christ. You're lost. The Bible says that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe upon his name. Who he is, his character, his work, believe upon his name. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, I think the call is clear right the call is cl- clear to all of us warfare prayer amen all right let's sing together
0: oh to jesus i surrender oh, to him
3: And this is King Jr. Third. 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 All right. Third. Yes. And Cooper. All right. And so they've been visiting for quite some time. They went through the new members uh, classes. They met with me. And they both stand before you telling you they've trusted Christ. They both have followed in believers baptism. And they're going to come and unite with us through transfer of letter from a sister Southern Baptist Church. All right. So we're glad to have them. Amen. Amen. Glad to have King and Lee and the boys. All right. We're gonna let you go back there toward dawn and we'll greet you going out. All right. Praise the Lord. I've been told, and I know King actually does this. And I don't know if he's he's gonna be able to play, but I've been told that I have to remind you about May 20th. It's a golf tournament that our church puts on. And I know some of you are terrible. And I am too. That's okay. We're doing it for fellowship, okay? So, please, May 20th, if you'd like to go out there, you, you play in a group of four, that means somebody hits the ball better than you, you'll play their ball. <laughs> Don't you love that? I like playing somebody else's ball, right? I, get it re- I, I hit the thing 300 yards down the fairway every time if you hit somebody like his, right? So, young, young kids, you can be a part of this. And I think the way it works, KP, you're in here? He might be in the nursery. Um, I think if you you can have a partner, two people, and you sign up, and then they do a draw to find out the other two people you play with. So you play with four, okay? So that's May 20th is when this is, okay? So see, uh, you can probably see David, you can see Blake, you can see Kevin Picard, and get signed up, okay? Great time of fellowship. I have no idea where we're playing this thing, but it's at a golf course. What would you say? Pain. Payne Stewart is where this is going to be. Ladies, y'all can play. All right. All right. It's not the Masters. It's not the Nationals. So you can get on the course. Amen. All right. God is good. So appreciate you being here today. We do not have Sunday night because it's fifth Sunday night. David, you have anything to announce? All right. You're dismissed. God bless you.